0: Till then I'm keeping my shine Keeping my shine, I'm just keeping my shine
1: Cross the Streams podcast. Back to our interview format. Uh, If you guys were season one, season two, Kane and I started off before branching into all the different kind of albums we have under the podcast label now we were really just hey let's get a great interview with somebody out in the world that people need to know about let's hear their story and then he and I get to act smart and, and reacts to the to the interview later And we kinda of got away from that but the last couple of episodes we've been able to bring back some great guests uh, and tonight is no different really excited to have uh, this this young young woman on who's been so impactful for my program and the character development we work if you listen to our Jeff Matsushita interview uh, uh, two, three episodes ago, you know Carly Rohner who's joining us tonight, is the reason he and I connected. She's our uh, the glue that bound, bound the two of us together. So, Carly, welcome to Cross the Streams.
2: Thank you, Kip. I'm so excited
1: to hang out and chat. And you and I, we used to both be Bearcats at the same time. Uh, background on my end, so I, you know, when I had this epiphany that we needed to do more work in the realm of uh, sexual assault, violence prevention, victim advocacy, I just had to go out and find smart, smarter people than myself that that, that could help me with it. And Carly, at the time, I think, it, what was your official title? Community education and yeah, advocacy at Willamette. So, director
2: of community education, but I was housing office yes you were you had
1: so you wore like 75 hats like I like to complain (laughs) as a basketball coach like my life's hard but you were doing like five different jobs (laughs) at Willamette but Carly was the one I went to and first vetted all my ideas and she talked me off cliffs that were stupid and helped me present things smarter uh so she and I've been working together in different forms for you know two or three years and then unfortunately for Willamette but great for you you got to move on to the I think it's the Oregon Attorney General Sexual Assault Task Force a mouthful you and Jeff have these
0: titles
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you've been doing that since 2017 is that right
0: yeah And we still have not not
1: replaced you adequately at Willamette. Not that great people aren't giving an effort, but nobody's still wearing the 47 hats you did. (laughs) Um, So I want to give you a a great platform just to brag. I know it's not easy for you because you're such a humble person, but I want you to be able to tell your story and and tell the work you do because I really think I've just piggybacked and and been able to steal a lot of the stuff you already are great at. So give us your journey because like Jeff and I talked about, I'm not sure at a lot of institutions and universities you can major in violence prevention. Maybe you can, maybe I'm an idiot, but how did you get into this field, you know, that you've done such great things in?
2: Yeah, that's so kind of you too. And you've got some amazing folks there because I know them. I get to work with them now in this role. And so I'm super excited for some of the things y'all are doing. I hope we get a chance to talk about that um, and some of the good work that y'all continue to do. Um, But yeah, so I, I think that you're spot on of like, we don't create formal programs for folks to be like, you want to work in violence prevention work, you want to work to help make our world a better place. Um this is exactly your roadmap. And I think that's for a really good reason. It's because all of our communities are super different and mm-hmm. they need people with different skills, right? Okay. To bring it there. So that's um I-, I think that you were spot on with that. And that's my journey pretty much from the time I was a little kid. Um I thought I was gonna be an elementary school teacher. Okay. Um. So I was that kid that would get the other kids and, like, play school, and I was always the teacher <laughs> kind of kid. Yeah. So n- not a lot has changed in that regard, but it, I think for my journey, I went into um, college with that exact same plan. Like, I'm going to be an elementary school teacher. Every single, administ- you know, the um, admissions thing was where you go in and have to talk about what do you want to do yep, while you're yep. here. The standard Big question, and-
1: yeah, where mm-hmm. do you see yourself in X amount of years.
2: Exactly. And it's like, I'm going to be a third grade teacher in (laughs) Oregon somewhere, right? Like very specific. And um, through that program, I I was really fortunate to get involved. I think two pivotal places. One was because of going to a a liberal arts school where they said you know you're going to try out all these different areas and in that education program one of the requirements was a psychology of education course Mm. and so for me it was the first time i think i was a decent student but there were things i was good at and i liked the class because i was good at it not because i was deeply passionate about it and so i hit that class and was like this is fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> like, is, I actually am excited to go and I want to learn more. And, and um, I, I think that had a spark. And so from there, I ended up taking another intro course. I can't like whatever the intro class that every single other person who's trying to get rid of a psychology credit um, <laughs> would take. There was, th- there were so many of us in that class. And I think, I think I was one of like the few that was really like, I know I'm taking this class because I think I'm, completely altering my life plan right now as i'm about to be a junior in college. was it the discussions
1: was it a particular book reading assignment because i i I mean it's so amazing all of us uh, jeff and i also talked about like the professor at willamette for me was bob mcdermott in gender roles in society so for you was it an engaging teacher was it the material itself What, what 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 was it that gave you that aha moment
2: yeah, I think initially it was probably the material, and then I was super lucky to get connected with some faculty that were just phenomenal, and they still are folks. And some of them have been at Willamette, and they're amazing. Um, but they're they were folks that were just super instrumental I gotcha. think in my growth. And so, yeah, originally it was just the content, and I think the biggest piece is like I can still remember visually sitting there in those classes and the neurobio part of like this is how our brain responds even when we don't know it or what our brain is kind of doing in the background. And that's become a really foundational part of some of the work that we do around trauma. Yeah. And so that piece that now I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, little college me would not have drawn that connection to where I was today. And then the, I think the other component that I just remembered really vividly was around, um, how people work in kind of the social psychology Mm -hmm. component and like how do bystanders interact with the people around mm. them, why do we do the things we do? Because we're social animals, and some of that research, I think now we're finding like there there's some things that are flawed around it, and there's some things that are really awesome, and that we can, it kind of gives us more power, and when we want to make social change, yes. And yes. so, I think for me, those were the two things that I was just like, oh my gosh, uh-huh, I yeah. love like I mean, this is
1: a yeah, thing. <laughs> yes. So you get a bachelor's degree psychology and community public health. I'm I'm stealing from your LinkedIn. This is a (laughs) half-ass internet research, Carly. Uh, I love that. It's a good reason to update my LinkedIn.
2: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. So so that community public health. And I think that was the other part that kind of changed the life or like the career path for me was – I was toying with the idea of being an RA. I really liked the idea of getting tuition paid for mm-hmm. as a student. Who does um, it? yep. Yeah, right? Like, every, I think a lot of uh, folks today are in that position. And so as I was toying with that, um, I got approached to being part of our peer health education program that was at the school. So we were the students who were essentially kind of walking through what are those issues that are most um, affecting students upon their entry to school, but also in terms of staying in school, mm. and the field that I'm in now, so public health is obviously a huge part of that, but um, violence prevention impacts so many of our students, and so that yeah. was also kind of the first step into that, and the the mentorship and the leadership that I received in that program I, I, is incredibly phenomenal to who I am, and so that my mentor, Craig Wimmer, was one of the main people, I think, that gave me this this platform for being able to talk to people about issues that impact all of us in a real way and in thinking really intentionally about how how I want to show up in that work.
1: Um, How does that mentor-mentee relationship work in your work with people? Like, I'm thinking... A head coach and an assistant coach it's okay you're new i'm going to give you maybe one drill you're going to do with the guys in this assignment behind the scenes and then as they progress right you trust them with more material creation more presentation on their own what does that look like for you in this work when you have a mentor are they bringing you along at first to observe then slowly letting you speak like how does that look how does that look
2: right so at the as a student and so for me and i think that ends up in a lot of my love for working with students is that i was given a ton of autonomy like uh. you tell us what kind of these like what kind of programs you're going to do you tell us what you think students want to hear in terms of like messaging you know you know the facts about whatever this health issue is but then how how are students going to hear that
0: mm-hmm.
2: um how do you build the folks around you up um to be able to create community and so that i think for me um, has really informed like how I work with folks now gotcha. in terms of working with students is i i don't think that we often give young people the the autonomy and the power that they deserve mm-hmm. in terms of what or honor the capacity that they have that they can do some really incredible things with just understanding like where the boundaries are yeah um, and so that was i mean for that mentee relationship that was. Uh, incredibly instrumental I mm-hmm. think, in that and then now like when i'm working with folks a lot of it in the role that i'm in now is just the like tell me where you need support to be able to do your job the best you can yeah, do so, yeah. like i i trust that people get into their jobs because they're super competent and care about their work and i'm going to start i think with that assumption
1: yes awesome okay take us through now you got your aha moment you're in the field how do you end up as a director at willamette
2: yeah, so I think right after I think I think an important part that came up for me when I was when I was listening to you and Jeff, which I was so thrilled to to listen to that and to just all of the things that you all were talking about, I was like, this is awesome! I'm like <laughs> loving every minute. So I do this work every day, and I still like those kind of conversations are so exciting to me. Um, but one of the things that I was thinking of was as soon as I got out of school, um, I was. From really really fortunate to get in working at a student health and counseling center oh, okay um, okay yeah at the work or at the college that I had attended and so I was going to be a health educator and I had a lot of ideas around what that meant and like one of my um, supervisors who i really credit i think with getting me into this work also used to be at Willanette, Luis rosa oh yeah was yeah was um in that role and at the time i think it was capacity but i also think it was a little bit that i was the only female health educator oh my gosh. and this was an area that needed attention like sexual violence on college campuses um i think was really starting to come more of like wow we're realizing how many people are impacted and we need to maybe make a more concerted effort Mm -hmm. around this.
0: Mm -hmm. Hey, Carly, what do you think about doing
2: that? And this was not my specialty
1: area. Um, Okay. Yeah. That's a little nerve wracking, you know? Yeah, just a
2: little bit, right right out of college. And they're like, do you want to do this thing? And you're like, sure, hope I can do it. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was an important part. And I think it, um, the reason why I get so excited when I hear conversations like the ones that you have with the men on your team, that you and Jeff are having, things like that, is because um, we, we know that everybody's impacted by violence, even if we don't experience it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we mm-hmm. know people, we love people that are, and as part of that, like Jeff was saying, you know, we need to sit down and listen, and simultaneously, it's so helpful when men can step up and take that field, because... Uh, While I'm really grateful for the career path that I have, I I often think back around, was I the only person that should have been delivering that message?
1: Mm. That's that's amazing you say that, right? Because on the flip side, I have the same, almost like for me, it's like, am I an imposter in this deal? Am I yes. just am I just spouting <laughs> off what Carly or these other experts show? You know what I mean. So I yeah. I could I think I pre- can appreciate where you're coming from because I I think it's so important. But also, my God, isn't there somebody else? There should be somebody right. better than me.
2: But go ahead, I keep think, going. <laughs> I think that permeates every my coworkers and I talk about this all the time. Of like, can we find the person who doesn't have imposter syndrome and talk <laughs> to that person? Yes. Um, who is that? I, yeah. Yes, I would love to pick their brain about what is that like, um, but then also just like that conversation again with you and Jeff around how are we, you know, how are we showing up, how are these conversations happening, and that I'm I'm borrowing or, or you know, building on the material of everyone who's came before me. That is, that is true of this work, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. We, we can push it forward. And still acknowledge
1: that maybe we weren't the original idea creators. Yes, yes, yes. Um, One question. In this work, you know, for a coach, um, I'm going to go to clinics. There's speakers. There's, you know, there's books and there. There's all kinds of things. I get film from every basketball league in the world I have access to (laughs) to to stare and try to steal. What does professional development look like for you? Is it a combination of current events, studies? I can imagine it's just a broad range of stuff you got to digest and then turn into a plan.
2: Yeah, and that's, um, I was talking with a colleague about this, like getting prepped for this today, because in my life, my kind of style of getting ready for things—it's like I gotta write stuff down. Yeah, yeah I got if you. you to yep. talk to me, like, <laughs> I gotta write things down. Um, I gotta talk to people that are smarter than me. And and when she and I were talking, one of the things that we were talking about was just the dynamic of this field allows you, I think, the opportunity to look to so many disciplines gotcha. for what to do next. And really, a foundational one of that, and I think that's really been. Um, informative in the work that I'm doing is is anti-oppression work and how are we identifying not just violence but we know that folks who experience um, you know violence and that could be a a wide variety of behaviors it's often going to be for those folks who don't have kind of the dominant power Mm -hmm, in our mm -hmm. society and whatever identity that might be but then also like that allows that that oppression that we put on other people kind of demonstrates to, to the folks around us, here's who we value more than others, so here's mm. who we can perpetrate violence against, essentially. Yeah, right. And so for me, it's really been this idea of, like, how how do I continue to develop myself as a human while simultaneously developing that academic knowledge around what do we know works yeah. to help people within communities? It's, so it's yeah, amazing
1: I, how the world can continue to give you current events that either yeah. you can use... <laughs> And, or, and be like, oh my God, there it is. It's still going on. Or sometimes yeah. it'll surprise you and there's a good yeah. thing. That's not, I wish it was more often. Uh, yes. But so take me through at Willamette, what did your day-to-day look like? Because I think I like sometimes it. if you read off your advocacy and prevention coordinator or all these other, the Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force, I, I, I think people probably have a varied idea of what it yeah. is you do. Everything from, you know, in a meeting with a group of students to leading with picket signs outside of something. You know? Yeah. So go take us through a day to day. Yeah. Uh.
2: Yeah, and I think that is always so hard. Like, it, it's that question that my family, like extended family, would be like, well, what does a day look like for you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, pick a day of the week, and I'll maybe yes. tell you about what that looks like. But <laughs> yeah. I, I know it's like that for coaching, too, like yes. all of all the different activities and things. Um, so at Willamette, it, and it really varied over the time I was there, right? Because positions change, structures change, leadership change, all of that good stuff that happens, I think, allows us – to have different opportunities. And so uh, there, it was a combination of um, helping folks to to address violence prevention work specifically. I think that was really at the heart of why I was brought there was because that uh, was something I was passionate about. But part of my background is also around um, alcohol and other drug intervention. And so working with uh, a, a day could be, you know, going and doing a, a presentation or a training or um You know workshop with one group of students around okay here's how we address cultural norms for violence prevention and then the next two hours I'm meeting with individual students one-on-one who have been transported to the hospital for Mm. alcohol
0: Mm. like Mm. overdose
2: or um who you know are contemplating like trying to change that behavior around that so there was a combination of that um And a lot of that work overlaps and is really exciting. And I think I love both of those pieces. And then other areas were just um, anything that was going to essentially impact the health of our campus community. Mm -hmm. And so things like working on um, how are we building better relationships with our community partners or, you know, the bar across the street or whoever it might be to to help our students um, create a healthier community around alcohol. Or maybe we're working with trying to um, you know, look at the dynamics of how we set up our residence hall programs to make sure that folks there feel safe and are yeah. able to access resources, right? So it's all these different areas. And, and most of my day was spent trying to talk and listen to people around what kind of partnerships do we need to make things
1: better. It um, felt just, like from the outsider looking in, and I'm glad you got to kind of give us the, the breadth of what one day could, could entail for you. It felt like it was like, well, Carly could fix that. Well, I bet Carly's got something about that. You know, all these horrific or stressful things that could happen to a student. Well, Carly's got that. It almost It There needed to be 15 of you. And I know I've talked to Andrea, who's in the role now, and she's stretched in. And it's not just a Willamette critique. It's probably a campus-wide critique yeah. um, of if we value this work, man, we got to fund it. I mean, yes. my goodness gracious. Yes. Oh, my
2: gosh. And that is she, – she's doing some phenomenal work. And yep. we talk about, like – who are you learning from? Things like that. Like, I'm so excited to work with Andrea and some of these. She's part of one of our advocate cohorts now okay. that I get to work with in my current job. And it's that, um, like, phenomenal group of folks that I love and I love to get to work with. And what you're saying is such a common narrative that I hear amongst my, my peers mm-hmm. and the people mm-hmm. that are in similar roles or do, you know, intersect with this work of, like, a huge drain of um, on that that ability to do that job is yeah. just there is we have a society of people that needs a cult, that needs culture change if we're going to get to a place where people are valued and healthy and like Jeff was saying where people are able to be healed yeah and we want to get there like that's not me times like one person for twenty three hundred students oh. and all the faculty right. And staff right like right. we can't do that simple, and so I yeah. think the other big piece of folks like Andrea and certainly my role when I was there is you're also trying to simultaneously build the capacity of everybody around you. And yeah. that was one of the things about your program that just was so exciting of like, you have got this now you're going to run and take this to that locker room. And I think with coaches, that's just such a phenomenal opportunity to say you have this sphere of influence. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Um, Cause I can't be there. Right. And I, you know, it's not appropriate for me
1: to be there the speaking of you know just the strain on an individual the work itself you know the stories you you hear or the individuals or the scenarios you have to exist in in this job how do you stay okay you know yeah. what I mean and I'm sure maybe that's a question for your family as well but I'm because <laughs> people ask me all the time just you know they think coaching stressful like okay yeah. yeah the scoreboard yeah really really it's a really tough deal Kip what you <laughs> what, what your work and, and people like yourself that you guys do, how do you stay, I don't, balance is probably even impossible, uh, yeah. but how do you maintain a, a healthy you while doing, because if you're not okay, you can't help the kids that are coming to you.
2: Right. No, I, to, I think that's true, and I think it's different for folks in different roles, right? So I really consider myself a, at heart a violence preventionist, so I'm, I'm believing that violence is preventable and that we can do something about it mm-hmm. and that this doesn't have to be an, an ongoing thing, and so part of that is optimism it's really hard to have optimism if you are feeling drained, right? Like in that way. But I think the other, I think, so I'm going to speak to it in two ways. One is like the preventionist, but the other one is the advocate who, when I'm saying advocate, because I think that's a big misconception for folks, is that my role is really a systems navigator. So Mm, if someone
1: comes to me and shares, yeah, yeah,
2: they're, they're sharing their experience and saying, you know, this is what's happened to me. And my job is to say, You know, I believe you, and that is something that we can help with. Like, we have resources available for you. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do next? Here's what those resources are. You drive the bus. You tell me where to go. Um, And so in that advocate role, one of the things, we we just did a webinar on this, but in terms of your question of staying well, like, to Mm -hmm. be able to stay fueled and do that work a lot of folks and i me included at different points in my career have experienced either vicarious trauma or compassion fatigue and yeah vicarious trauma is that like i'm so close to content that's traumatic or disturbing like even if i don't experience it i'm hearing it all the time so it kind of shifts my view of the world mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what What is possible? Yes, people. I
1: how you are as as optimistic as you are because you you totally are. All of our interactions. You've never had a bad day, and I know that's not true. (laughs) I know that's (laughs) not that's not factual. But like I know me, like I can be like, man, I maybe I don't believe in humans anymore. You know, after doing the reading of something or after you know scrolling a Twitter feed that I'm getting ready for my guys. In a you know a new professional athlete a sexual assault case and I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna screenshot the Twitter feed scrolls to show them what is out there I, I know I need I mean I gotta stop for a second because I'm just in the negative Nancy mode where Jesus fix isn't possible but yeah. I I know like you said that's a great compassion fatigue that's amazing keep going yeah
2: yeah no and I think what you're saying is is exactly where so many people in our fields get to that point of like. Oh, like that one Twitter feed that you're seeing for the day, right? Like that's yeah. what I'm hearing in that is like you hear that, you see that one little thing and that's not monumentous for you in your life, but it's just another reminder of what's out there and maybe yeah. what your against. And what I also heard in what you're saying is a, a piece of self-reflection of a like, I got to take a break. Yeah. And I think that has been something I was not good at as a younger uh, professional. Gotcha. And I just want to put that out there for yeah. other people of like, we – Our job, I was just talking to my partner about this tonight, Andy, he and I were just talking about, like, what is our job to carry? Mm
0: -hmm, And mm
2: -hmm. a really big foundation that, like, I'm always working with my students or previously was working with students around was, like, identify where you fit in, like, where you have maybe that social capital, where you have the ability to do something and focus that energy there. Because I think the... The draw and the need is so big that we can often be like, yes, I'm going to just keep saying yes, because to say no means I don't care, mm-hmm. or to say no means mm-hmm. something important out, and I think one of the things that I'm realizing and still struggling with, because I, I still come up against that, is sometimes I have, to, I have to focus that energy on where I think it's going to fit best, yeah. like where I can actually make the most
1: the impact. Tell me the transition from Willamette to the the task force now. Was that strategic? Was that this is a natural progression in this field to get from like you know campus level to state level to federal level impact? Give me your ideas.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, so totally not intentional. I'm I'm really fortunate that our state is one that has a weird structure in okay. comparison to other states around so the the task force just to to give a picture of it because it's really nebulous to folks who haven't like, had to have any interaction with us yeah um we're a really tiny staff we've got like eight nine ten people at any given time okay. depending on our grant funding and of those folks we ha- most of us have our own individual committee and that committee is made up of folks so we have almost 200 oregonians from across the state oh, wow. Um, My colleague and I work with the campus committee, which is about 20, 25 of those folks who currently work on college campuses, and those folks help develop our work plan
0: for the year, Um, and
2: it's awesome, so it's folks like you that are on the ground, they're saying, this is what my students are up against, this is what I know to be happening in in my field, and so I, for a long time, and Luis, again, when I say the credit of me getting into this work, um, was like, hey, I work with this task force I need you to go for some meetings slash I kind of want you to see if you want to go to it um and so I started I started doing that right when I first got out of college getting connected to the task force as a committee member okay and so for me it was just being one of those folks who's like I care about this work I guess I'll help inform the task force about like whatever nonsense I'm doing on campus every day and maybe that'll help somebody Mm -hmm. and then over time probably eight 10 years later, started working as an instructor just to help them build capacity. Um, And then they got a grant that opened to help campus advocates, and that's where I'm at now. Wow.
0: Yes.
1: I, I love the concept of the boots on the ground, so to speak, coming back and informing you what do we, here's what we need. You know, because I think it's very, even as a head coach in the office, I can be top down delegation, but the team room is where the stuff's at, you know, so it's uh, it's trying to find that mix. What are, what are the, what are on the tech side of things, on the skill set side of things for what you do? What'd you come in with that you felt like that was very applicable? And then what have you had to develop? Is it the public speaking? Is it the, this technology is so vital for me? Talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, in, in current role or just kind of in general? In general. Yeah, so I think one of the things that um, people uh, – I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. I think that what I've heard in feedback and you said about I really appreciated your viewpoint that I'm really optimistic. I think some of my mm-hmm. family sees me as really sarcastic and stuff, so <laughs> I think that that's really awesome. I'm
1: going to start paying attention now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's quiet sarcasm. Right? That's where it comes from. Um, And that's, I think, one of the things that my those who are closest to me know is, like, I'm a huge introvert. And a huge part of my job is to be in front of people, and not only in front of people, but um, as kind of a marketing person. It yeah. sounds gross, but as a way to say, like you you can make a difference and this is how and I, I need you to know that this is important yeah that that's part of it and so a big piece for me um, one of the feedback pieces I hear is people think that I'm really extroverted and I'm not and so for me I think a skill that I had to learn really quick was like how do I refuel and recharge mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. I'm able to keep doing this work um, and so being thoughtful and trying to think of that but public speaking hands down has been one of the, I was the kid that got like panic attacks in high school <laughs> when no I had
1: to get be- out of here I've seen you, you have know? a whole auditorium full and you're talking about like T using that T video for sexual consent training yeah
2: <laughs> get out, no. that's
1: that's amazing
2: Right? No, and it's, I I wish that I had video. Like, it is one of those things that I credit that mentor in in college for Mm -hmm. really getting me comfortable for. Um, My first class in college was an 8 a.m. speech class, and I just remember thinking, I'm going to fail college. Like, I'm not (laughs) (laughs) going to be able to get out of here. And so, it's one of those skills that, like, when people are like, I can never public speak, I can never do this. I'm like, we can, we just got to get you to the point where... You can you can kind of learn about people in the room and, and just show up like it's a conversation. And so yes. that public speaking part, like I still get nervous about it. I still have that piece, but it, that's been a huge part of my job. Um, and then I think the other part is really being able to um, to be able to think creatively and pull from different fields i have to be i think that there's a humility that you learn uh, around like i yeah. don't learn i don't know
0: all of this yeah
2: and so i need to go and um i need to be i need to get good at finding the answer i need mm-hmm. to be able to admit that i don't have the answer and so google is a good friend <laughs> it's <me>. amazing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hate admitting that but yeah it's, it's, it's those skills um like when students are like i don't like i don't know that i can do that work i'm like a big chunk of my job is helping like currently helping advocates. If they don't have an answer to something, I'm on the internet figuring out who knows that answer and calling them and saying, Hey, I need your help. I need to learn this so that my advocate that I'm working with can get the answer that they need. Right. And so I I think that's a big part. Like Mm. they're not technology. It's not things like that, but it's the, the ability to be in a room full of people hear what they're saying talk with them be able to impart some information and then and then be able to admit that i don't have the answer and try and go find it um right. i think it's huge
1: one of the things i was so impressed with was you're you're pretty versatile and, and obviously i bet you'll say you develop this versatility in the audience you you're comfortable in because i've yeah. seen you with just my team i've seen you with five different teams mixed gender audience you know i've seen you in a room where we're with all the administration on campus what what has been a what's a challenging audience for you how have you developed there because i know and for me it's like do i get to use coach voice when i'm talking to the president of the university probably can't do coach voice you know that's not gonna work <laughs> no, but that's a go-to skill i have yes i, to use my I like to make voice. points by raising my volume not necessarily any information i'm delivering has changed <laughs> so for you talk about the audience because i i've seen you in so many different have uh, yeah i appreciate that no i um
2: gosh, that's such a good question of, like, what audiences? I I can tell you, initially, starting out, um, it was really hard, I think, as being a younger person in in my field because I was just out of college to talk to peers my own age.
0: Like, that that was super
2: hard. Um, Now I'm like, that's great. I love talking to my colleagues. It's wonderful. But just for younger professionals, like, I want to acknowledge that that was super hard. And then I think when folks have a completely different or I perceive, I'm going to say, I perceive that they have a completely different life path than I have, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go in there and sound like I'm going to sound like an ass because I'm being (laughs) something, or I'm doing right, like something like that. That I'm
0: with you,
1: I'm with you.
2: Yeah, that's the time when I feel, I think, that it's the hardest. So it's not necessarily a particular group, but I know, I mean, for athletics, for one of those things, I was so excited when you were like, hey, do you want to talk about this? I was like, yes. yes. And the little part of my brain is like, I, and I think I probably said this to you, like I'm the least athletic human <laughs> in most regards. Like I did track for a while in middle school, and like I can do some things. Right. But like if you are like, hey, uh, explain this concept to me or something, I'm going to be like, I barely am following what's happening. And so for me originally, like being around athletes, that was super um, outside. I think of the, the scope of the language that I learned, mm-hmm. or, right? Like growing up. Right. And so for me, I, that's been a huge part of it is like any group that I'm going to go into any room that I'm going to talk with. Like, I want to be really intentional about meeting with people who are a part of that community first. Yeah. And then saying, tell me about like you, you what's important to your group what's going on right and like
0: that
2: has made it so
1: much easier well i Um, I remember one particular time when we i I can't remember it might have been the mask you live in or another one we watched maybe the hunting grounds and you said hey you know what Me a good idea kip is you get the hell out of this room and let your guys (laughs) talk to me and i was like you want me to leave you in there with all these dudes but it was i was it was one of the best ones ever because they were they could be honest with you and they didn't want to say certain things, you know, with me in the room. And I thought that was, that was super, that was amazing. Uh, tell me currently, what do people need to know that you guys are working on or, you know, your committee members on? What's exciting in a positive way that's happening oh in the in the field across the state?
2: Uh question um yeah so we um one of the amazing things about the place that I work that I just like I pinch myself I'm so grateful that it it replicates this way that campuses where we have folks of like all different disciplines now I get to intersect with folks who work in law enforcement in nursing um Mm -hmm. in the k-12 system um so there's a couple different things and I think just for our work overall and Jeff touched on this that they're doing a little bit of this in their work is around um providing young people with the information that they need to be able to have um and listening to them and asking them for their answers around what they need for um healthy relationships Uh. and being able to prevent violence from starting at a young age like we have some amazing opportunities in our state um and i think that for that college environment and for especially for coaches and folks like you are getting the people you are getting the students who are coming in, um, who are the product of their K 12 systems.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And so for me, I think as a parent, as somebody who, um, you know, like I went to school in a bunch of different schools in Oregon, um, and moved around a bunch of different places around our state. One of the things that I see still is like, there's some inequity in how we, um, provide that education to young Mm, people and mm -hmm. that we ask them for what the the real answers are. And so one of the things that we've been working on um, over the last couple of years has been working to establish prevention funding to be able to get that, like you were saying, the, the adequate amount of staffing Mm -hmm. into our schools. So people like Jeff can be having those conversations with folks
0: um,
2: up front. And then I think the other piece, and this is, again, you all were talking about it and that I see is like an emerging, really exciting piece of our field is the engaging men Mm -hmm. um and engaging lots of different men not just um you know one particular group on campus um but we're starting to see some incredible like he was talking about his works there's some incredible work that's starting to spill over into how we look um at the outcomes for people's lives like that positive psychology piece of i'm part of a team maybe that really values this and i go on to um be a leader yeah. in this area. Right. So I don't I don't know that those are two like incredibly specific things, but those no, are but the two. Assume, big yeah,
1: they're for so me. important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That I'm starting to look at of like how do we do this? And I think another area um, that applies to this that I'm really excited to see some movement in our state around is starting to look at like how does racial justice, how does justice for folks who are queer, who identify as LGBTQ, how how do we start being able to take care of the folks who historically we have just not done a good job taking care of, bring those voices to the center of our conversations and then take that and start to support our communities in that way. I think that we, when we hold up the voices of folks who have been um, historically underserved or historically marginalized in that way, Uh, that's really where, like Jeff was talking about healing, that's where our communities start to heal, I think, is when we start to be able to acknowledge that we've had some shortcomings um, in our general culture and and our history, um, and that that all impacts the violence work that we Mm
0: -hmm, do. mm -hmm. And so
2: I think for me, it's really, how are we dialing it back? How are we dialing it back to start helping kids younger and younger to be able to be their whole, healthy, real selves so that we're not having to worry about healing them Mm -hmm. as grown-ups
1: right god that's a great
0: point
2: yeah how do we start to roll that back to where we are including all the voices that we've left out right like those mm -hmm. kind of pieces how do we roll it back to start helping men to be their best truest authentic selves before they get to us in the locker room in college Mm -hmm. right like that's um i think for me the the next steps or where i see this work for
1: us going what do you say And i know i sent you this uh up front because it's it's a hard question it's not like hey i got that answer dialed in what is the average person you know not just people that listen to the podcast or somebody that just gets to that point and they're like god i'm tired of this i'm tired of of the violence against certain groups or the violence against women i just what do i how do i do instead of just because sometimes you just feel like you're going to internally combust with rage yeah. What is it that the average person can do? Because, like we tell our players, the answer isn't to be Batman and you go around campus and find a guy you think is being a pig and then you beat him up. That doesn't help either. <laughs> not violence is violence. Exactly. So, what is it? What What is like? I know you don't. Have, you can't solve. If this was the easy answer, we wouldn't have these problems in the world. But is yeah. there? What would you suggest? Yeah. So, it's
2: for just any like the random person. Yeah. How do I
1: get involved? You know, team? let's say I'm yeah. not on Coach Kip's team. I'm at Willamette. I'm a male. I believe in everything you guys are talking about, but I don't have a team or a platform maybe where I think I can be of any use.
2: Yeah, no, I think that that's so, so important because, right, the majority of people, I, like, when you were talking about ratios, I was one person in that role. We need those people. We need Mm, those people who are like... There you go. I care about this. I think about this. um, I want to talk. So I think there's two pieces of that. One is that I think we live in a time where we're going to start having to... um, Display our courage and bravery mm-hmm. in a way of saying, I think this, I need to start talking to other people. Not just
1: rant and rave it. in my dorm room, which I was no. great at, by the way. I was so great at <laughs> fixing things in the dorms, in the conversations. The world would have been perfect, you know? Anyway, keep going. But, no, but that is it. I mean, that's other... So, I mean, courage and bravery looks
2: a lot of different ways. And for some of us, that means, God, that internal thought that I'm having all the time that the world is maybe not how I want it to be, Mm -hmm. that I'm so sick of whatever this is. Or maybe I just, like, maybe I'm not so burnt out by it, but I just don't like that it's a thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to my family about, like, hey, Mm -hmm. this is kind of important to me. What do you think? So, you having those conversations in in the dorm rooms or in the residence hall rooms, like, that... That is critical, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the other piece of, like, we're going to have to have some courage. We're going to have to, like, start to put language to what we actually think and getting it out there in constructive ways. And part of that is being, like, where, again, to that point of where do we have capacity? So what is mine to carry if it's this idea that I want – violence against women or violence against a particular group or however I, yeah. I am feeling about that, if I've decided, you know, that's my thing that I'm I'm caring about, I'm going to do some self-reflection, figure out why I care about it, and then I'm going to start assessing where I have the ability to make an impact. Mm-hmm. For you, that's with your men, right? Like, right. that's with the students who you get to work with. You don't have to do that. That's not part of your job description as far as I know, right? right. Like, that's right. not an area. Right. For other people, when we've talked to them, it's things as little as, you know, I work at a grocery store. And for me, one of the biggest things that like I was talking with somebody around this um, as a student, and they were saying, you know, like, I work at this grocery store. And one of the biggest things I see is just the language that we use um, as staff, like Mm. they were starting to realize was really problematic. Yeah. And language is a foundational thing around attitudes and beliefs. And so You know what? I'm going to just start maybe talking to my staff around, hey, we could could find some things that maybe mean what we actually mean, right? Like, we're going to say what we actually mean and Mm -hmm. not use all these pejorative things that are going to start showing that we value other people less Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. what we do. So, like, we're not going to tell that rape joke. We're not going to tell this, right? We're going to start there. That was where they had influence and power. That doesn't mean that it's any different from the work that I do. Because really, like, we need the vast amount of people um to be able to just assess like where can i make an impact in this Mm -hmm. and i i think that's a big piece that a lot of us miss i
1: love the part about courage i love that because it does it is it's at that point where there has to be more of us taking action than them and I use yeah. the them with air quotes, even though it's a podcast <laughs> and nobody can see me. Where do you yeah. guys land? Give me like, is there a I, one of the things that one of our guys? I think he was gone. Well, one of our freshmen two years ago didn't make the travel team, so he was gone for holiday breaks. But he, so I told him, hey, you're going to miss some character development. But if you find us some follows on social media that are speaking this same language that we're talking about that'll count that'll be part of your even though you're gone you're still doing the work do you are do you guys have a platform on social media are there people we can follow or share and at because in today's day and age right like that's kind of the lit the language and the medium with which we kind of spread wildfire is through hashtags and other people so what, what do you got on that front
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we, we do, we, um, I would say that's one of the things when we talk about capacity, like we don't have somebody doing our social media. We have staff.
1: You guys, yeah. Like, Oh, I got Instagram today. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes. like, I got
2: this. I can do this. Um, and so you'll find most of our stuff um, on Facebook. And a lot of okay. that is because we do a lot of le- legislative work, so yes. working with the folks at the Capitol to kind of gotcha. do that. And they ha- that's one place where they're on there. And so you're welcome to take that. I think we yep. do have a Twitter. It's probably pretty inactive. I'm sounding super uncool right that's now. That's okay. That's um, okay. So I think that's it. But in terms of content, I mean, that, for our state, Um, So it's Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force. Um, We shorten that all down because, like you said, it's a huge mouthful. So it's Oregon SATS is where most folks can find us. I also want to do a shout-out. One of the unique things about our state is that we also have a coalition like Jeff has in Idaho. Um, So we are kind of a different component of that. Um, But we have the Oregon Coalition Against Domestic and Sexual Violence. So they also have a lot of social media. And there's... uh, yeah, so theirs is on there, and I think that's great. Um, one of the things that I love, and it's not related to violence prevention work necessarily, but I think is super interesting, and I think that you can make the case as a coach that a lot of the foundational pieces that he talks about um, connect to this in terms of like how we regard other folks, mm-hmm. how we do that kind of work. And Pete Carroll's work, oh, I think, okay. has been... Those the three rules that he have, That has been one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Of like, how do we start to apply like some of those three rules and building team development into yeah. like violence prevention work? Um, and so I don't know, like, right? Like again, not a sporty. Well, oh, I'm going to
1: Google that. that. I'm going to Google those three rules and have it. I'll I'll put it up when we post the episode. We'll oh put gosh. that up too. Yeah. You know, they, oh yeah. gosh.
2: And it's, it's like they're super easy. But he, you should listen to some of the interviews where he talks about because one of the things that he's talking about, I think most, um, that I see a lot of, like the the similarities to the work that you're doing with the guys and some of the other things that we're doing, um, just in terms of our work is that, so one of his rules is always protect the team.
0: Mm. The other one's no whining, no complaining, no excuses.
2: Like you show up, you do it. And then the other one is be early.
0: Like Mm. you don't get to be
2: on time. You always be early. But when you hear him talk about that in interviews, it's things like always protect the team also means things like, um, if your buddy is in a situation that's not good, yeah, that's not yeah. good for the team, and so then you you pull that person back, right? right. Like you We're
1: getting bystander that. work there. Okay, okay, I yeah. See so
2: right, like there's things there that we can extrapolate. And the the be early as he, when he talks about it in interviews, it's about how do we regard other people, right? So like you're showing people not just respect, but you're showing people how you care about them and the regard that you have for them by mm-hmm. how, you, how you show up in this world. And mm-hmm. an easy way to do that is like, I'm going to be easy. I'm going to be early to my meetings mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's going to show you like, I care about this. Yeah. Right. And so
0: yeah. there's different ways that
2: he's doing that, that really get to the heart of, especially when we're talking about protective factors for communities around like social connection and how people can, um, develop these protective factors that keep them from perpetrating violence or keep them from potentially being the the people who experience violence i think that you can make a case that some of those rules like really connect and mm-hmm. so his work um and he does a lot of work with like um psychologists on his team yeah um, around that and so um that's just in awesome this world yeah i think that it's an amazing i think you i would love to see somebody do like connection yeah
1: between all that. <laughs> right well you know you're right i mean you, you just did half of it i mean that's awesome that's a direct <laughs> application uh and it's it's un, it's like unfortunate but also like the world we live in it almost needs celebrity endorsement in a lot of levels yeah. you know for people to like you and i can scream and shout but we got x amount of followers right, right. if lebron says something that's exactly the same as what you've been saying your entire career good and unfortunate it's going to carry so, finding yeah. those influencers, I think, is something that uh, I've been trying to figure out. Like, okay, how do we get, not selfishly, like, how do we get more followers? Like, look at us, we're awesome. No, how do we become yeah. an influencer or find an influencer that'll follow us and get them yeah. to spread it, you know? Right. And I think. I, I we think need a good. Kardashian, Carly. We need a Kardashian. <laughs> you <be> our
2: Kardashian? <laughs> Kip Kardashian.
0: Right. This is your new... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you're
2: like, no. Oh. Uh, I think, but that's it, right? Like, I think when you're talking about the work with like, um, like the conference that you were just at Mm -hmm. and things like that, it's stay focused and do that good work. Yeah. And then when we, that's where we have influence. Yeah. So we're going to show up like that, not influence in a gross way, but influence in like, this is where I like, right. I'm not Kardashian level. I don't know that I want to be, but I can talk to Mm -hmm. my college folks. I can talk to my colleagues. I can talk to my students. Right. Um, and, and other folks want to do that work. I truly believe that, like, we have more people than not that are like, I want to make sure that the students I work with turn out to be good human beings.
1: Is there a federal level gathering? Because I, I'm thinking of the, like, the, just the infusion of energy I got from the NCA Inclusion and Diversity Conference. Because yeah. like you said, you're surrounded by people in the field that have the same level of give a shit. You're like, oh my God, I'm not on an island. By any anyway, means, yeah. you guys have that same opportunity, you know, for yourselves. Is it meeting with other coalitions from states? Is there gather? Like, where do you guys get that? Like, because I think you need that team sometimes yeah. to keep going.
2: I, I, yeah. So we've got a couple of national groups, right? Like, so the um, the conference that Jeff and I met at was the National Sexual Assault Conference. Okay. Um, and so that's put on by a couple of like big coalitions. So CalCASA being one of them. It's a coalition out of California um, that does that. But well, I would say. To your point there about, like, us and finding our people, I work with folks from all different disciplines. There are people in law enforcement, nursing, right, like, teaching, all of these different places. What I've learned is, like, I don't have to look hard to find my people. Mm. My people are those people who think that things just might not be working the way that they are now. Right. Um, And so, for me, it's not even about the national group so much. Um, It's more about how do we, right, like how do we find those people who are on our team, like you're on my team, and yeah. you and I aren't in the same field necessarily, right. other than that we both For worked sure. at the same college, right? Yeah. Um, and so that kind of component, but there are a couple of like national um, uh, sexual assault related kind of like focused groups, mm-hmm. um, and so that conference is put on by the um, National Sexual Violence Resource Center.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. Um,
2: and that's, got, that's another great place where if, like, folks are just wanting to learn a little bit more, there's information there. Um, I'd say, like, Instagram is such an amazing tool
0: for folks, yeah. too. Yeah. Like,
2: you can – one of the things I'm always encouraging folks, I, and I saw awesome um, – I think it was, like, a repost today from somebody about, like, follow 50 people that don't identify the same way you do or mm. go, like, right, like, follow
1: – You mean I got to get out people. of my echo chamber? God dang it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: just like wait rocket science yeah. what
1: is happening oh, right? yeah. wait, no, no i love that i love that idea i love but it
2: that's when i when you said that i had that panic moment of like who do i follow yeah I don't know. um but you can go to nsvrc you can go to okazva you can go to some of these other acronyms right and mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. who are they following wow, and that's how yes. i that's how i find people. yes 100 um, percent. right like who's on there and you you get to have that litmus test of like how much you believe whatever you're reading or not but i think that that's a great way to start broadening right. like who are who are my people nationally and who am i looking
1: to right hey yeah. you are the freaking best love you're having the you on best. um get some rest for goodness gracious sakes and <laughs> we are super <laughs> excited we're gonna we're gonna bring you back on we got jeff coming back on this stuff you know obviously the fight is never ending uh so we it. for sure want to bring you back on and thank you so much for your time
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited and I'm so appreciative
1: that you had me on. It's so nice to chat. Spread the word. Cross the Strange Podcast, Kip and Kane, coming back at you. You just got a chance to listen to Carly Rohner from the Oregon Attorney General's Sexual Assault Task Force, her and I's interview. Uh, Lucky that Kane was able to listen to the interview, too, and we get to do our standard reacts. It's been a while since we had our original format, all those episodes and years ago, where we just had guests, interviews, and then our reacts and rambling, so it's kind of nice to bring it back, Kane. It is nice, man, and I'll tell you this. Every time I listen to your interviews,
3: I just keep telling myself, man, this, this guy missed his calling. <laughs> he just said, an interview, whether it's a radio host guy, TV host, either way, you got the interview thing
1: down pretty good. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I think of that same thing right around the 10-minute mark of second halves we're about to lose, and I tell myself, <laughs> maybe, maybe I should be the guy over there talking in the mic and not the guy yelling at the ref. <laughs>
3: Uh, it's classic, man. You no, know, it's it's really good. You, you do a good job of just going off of what the conversation is doing and going doing. Um, obviously, you've done some research on everyone you're in, interviewing. Um, what brought me kind of to this, not necessarily brought me to the conclusion of it, but I don't know if you've
1: watched Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, yeah, his new between, show
3: between the two ferns.
1: I've only seen I mean, like the like the preview and people like kind of talking about. It. Is it good?
3: Yeah. So this this is. The whole premise behind this deal is he's the worst TV host ever. Like oh. His the way in which he interviews these celebrities is absolutely hilarious, but it's terrible at the same time. Like it makes you cringe,
1: right? Which is kind of uh, his comedy.
3: how awkward he makes it and the questions he asks. And um, but you, on the other hand, are the complete on the o- yeah, other
1: opposite end of the spectrum. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and so that's
3: why I leave it up to you to do the interviews. No, I'd I know. Be right I, in the uh, Zach and range, I'd be kind of in between.
0: <laughs> you'd be that kind. But I'd just
3: be absolutely terrible <laughs> at it. So I'm really, I'm so much better. I'm sticking to the comfort zone and just stick sticking with the reacts.
0: Uh,
1: listening to the interview. Hey, how did your uh, bathroom break situation go? Big win for the cats. Beat up on Norfolk. <sighs> Everything yeah. was all right. Because I tell you what, we got a lot of feedback from people going. They never thought about guys in the booth for football games what yeah, ha- what has to happen to people were fascinated much, by your plight yeah I mean, I'm telling you you got to plan ahead and <laughs> so
3: I'm, I've done a really good job the course of course the last couple of weeks of planning ahead and making sure that I take all the pee breaks that I need before I get into the booth and uh, that way I don't have any major issues or, or problems and, and have to leave my station in order to, <laughs> to make sure I relieve myself in a proper
1: way. What if an now I might tweet that if somebody's like, I don't know what MSU's defense was doing there, I might tweet at him, well, you know what might have happened? <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, you should. You yeah. absolutely should. That's I like Kane's fault. he
1: was in line. It's not that's not his blitz call, he was in line. <laughs> he
0: obviously was not
1: there on that one. <laughs> right. Hey, speaking of social media, before we dive into our reacts about Carly, what I really want to get to, because I'm glad you got to listen to it, I'm making the mistake that you and I and our family, led by our mom and dad, do. I'm watching the political unfoldings across the country, and people that listen to our podcast are totally aware where we land, solidly blue, solidly left, right? I I would hope they would, anyway. I hope they've put two and two together. But I'm not going to go on that rant with what happened. I'm just going to talk about something that continually pops up that I think is universal across industry. So whenever these hearings happen in yeah. on Capitol Hill, and it could be the Senate, it could be the um, House, of Repub- House of Representatives, and it could be led by Democrats, led by Republicans, <gasps> doesn't matter. There's like this unwritten rule where if the person being is the, that is testifying and most of the time in trouble, if at any point they sniffed military service... Oh, we are yeah. now unable to say anything bad about them because of the military. And this is not me knocking military service. Like, I do. I, I get it. The, res- the respect I have for that is great. But that doesn't yeah. preclude you from being a moron in other areas. <laughs> right? It's, there's no question, man. That is always, over the course of my lifetime, just
3: in general, that has somewhat bugged me when it came to exactly what you're saying. Just if, if, well, he served.
1: Yeah, he, so that's it.
3: put in some time. So it's like, okay, that's great. Does that excuse him from being an absolute moron right now? Right. Like, I appreciate your service at the time you did your service. Right. But that doesn't make it
0: okay for anything you say I've just got to accept as the truth because you were in the service. <laughs> like,
3: no, If I, I I can disagree with you, and yes. I don't care if you were in the service or not. Like, I don't have to listen to your yeah. opinion on certain things just because, or I can listen to your opinion. I have to listen to your opinion, but I don't have to accept your opinion as truth or as scripture. Yes, because you
0: were in the service.
1: Like I would love for you or I to go home to Carrie or Kelly, our wives, and say, "Listen, I'm okay at my job. So because I'm a coach, I am now infallible <laughs> as a husband. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, nothing no, I can do wrong." Exactly, hundred percent.
3: And you know, along those same lines, it would be similar to where just because I'm a coach, my opinion. On any sports-related topic, tops anyone else's opinion on that topic. Right, right, right. If I'm, so if I was in a room with other people and people are having conversations about football, and I just all I got to do is raise my hand and go, "Hey, I'm a coach. I coach football." <laughs> so everyone else just listen to this opinion. Yes. And this
1: is the ultimate.
3: This will end this argument. Right, is what I
1: say here. Right, let's start doing that with our players because I'm sure that'll work. Listen, guys. Let's, let's repeatedly spout off how long we've been coaching. And because of that, they should listen no matter what. Yeah, like no it's just what. today, and I want to give this context. The, D, the director of national intelligence for the United States happened to be a fantastic Navy admiral for many moons. Clap your hands. And if I need yes. to know the aircraft battle group formation we should use to surround an island, he is the guy. He yeah. might not be the guy when it comes to presidential election <laughs> statutes. He <laughs> might
0: not exactly, be that guy. Exactly.
1: Oh. Exactly it was infuriating but I, I digress hey moving on one of my favorite guests we've had on um, I think you and I have talked about a lot of the things she taught me and we've used in our program in terms of how do you educate men in football basketball sports to victim advocacy violence prevention Carly Rohner, as I mentioned before from the Oregon Attorney General's Atal- sexual assault task force where do you want to start man because I felt like I learned a thousand things and I've talked to this woman numerous 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 times
3: I'm up for it, anywhere you want to start, Um, you know, one area that I thought was really interesting or intriguing was just, first off, how she kind of got into it.
1: Yes, yes. Right,
3: and then kind of just from there, I think some of your questions hitting on just how do you progress and or how do you continually gather information and continuously try and get better at your job. It just was like, wow, that's interesting. I never really
1: thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what about this? As, do you have a class from your background? Because Jeff Matsushita uh, from the Idaho Coalition, on uh, the same subject matter and the same great work, Jeff talked about a class that kind of inspired yep. his path. Carly talked about a professor. Do you have like? I know people are like, oh, you had to have a coach. Is that what we had? Was it dad? <laughs> Was it the game? You know what I mean? Do you did that? Did that stir up some stuff in your head?
3: Yeah, definitely. I, I actually thought about the exact same thing. Like, okay, what point? There was never really any professor that, over the course of my courses through college, that I was like, oh yeah, that makes me want to
1: super coach. impactful. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, I had some good professors at in some of the topics that were being taught, but none of the topics really from the classes that I took actually pertain to much that i'm doing now minus. Mm-hmm. um i took a class that involved me using a uh being able to laminate paper <laughs> that's coming
0: yes. huge
3: man it's coming huge as far as being able to make sure on bad weather games so i've got a laminated play call sheet um practice sheet over the course of the week so that's huge
1: that was like a practical um, skill yeah
3: yeah you know <laughs> but uh, there's, i mean like I said, there were some impactful professors over the course of my time when it came to I had some really good political science teachers, uh, but that didn't really lead me down the path of being uh, down the political career or political path career. Right. So I'm not sure what really, Yeah. I had some, obviously some really good coaches over the course of my career, but I don't think any of those coaches looking back on it ever said, Kane, you'd be an awesome coach, you should get into it. Right. Um,
1: I don't yeah. know,
3: man, that's, that's, I've, Thought about that myself, I think it was just somehow something clicked with when I first started doing it as really a student assistant, and really within my student teaching, I, I guess that one might be where I really trying to or had a love for just teaching in general. I mm-hmm. think, and, and that kind of helped me. Well, shoot, I love to teach. I love to share knowledge and information that I've gained over the course of my time yeah. with other people. And you feel good when others take that knowledge and use it in a positive way. And so maybe that kind of pushed me towards the profession that I've
1: done. But I can't imagine, that's, like Harley mentioned, uh, you know, just the thought, I think she mentioned uh, she was psychology originally, right, in, yeah. in her background. And I can only remember thinking about my major in terms of where will I make money. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like she was already so far ahead of me in terms of how do I give back and help humans? And what is the route with which I could do so? Like, yeah. I was just walking around like, I gotta work out today, and uh, I think econ would help me get rich. Like, I was supposedly a smart individual. Right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> God. Listen. It does make you think that there's so many better people in this world <laughs> yes. that really have such better right. thoughts about how they can help change the world and oh. actually start taking steps towards that.
0: Yes.
1: and, you know, like and You're know, you not lying, and she's definitely one of them that in my life is like, oh, my God, i got to do yeah. some things like Carly does. And I'm just going through her LinkedIn page. I think on there I told her I was doing uh, a lot of half-assed Internet research. But her link, like if you go to my LinkedIn page, it says taught some classes and is a coach, you know, and she's got stuff on here that's uh, oversaw the planning, implementation, and evaluation of campus-wide bystander intervention, 5,000 students, assistant health, you know, like implementation of new WU student health counseling resources, like all these things that impact lives daily. Daily, exactly. It's so impressive, but I also think like, And this is not, I know what, I love what we do, right? We're coaches, we would never change that. But like this will get very little attention of how much people like her, Jeff, the work they do is so directly behind the curtain. You know? And it's, you know, I'm not advocating, like a society, we should flip the, yeah, we should, but I don't know how, but it's I'm so grateful that we at least have a mini platform for people like herself and Jeff to share some of these things. Because otherwise, how would it happen? Exactly. No, I'm with you 100%.
3: How can... I think you can go through history and find that that's just how it is. Society is... We uplift these quote-unquote celebrities, and/or sports figures that are doing great things in the professions that they're doing them in. Mm -hmm. And they're entertaining and whatever, but um, it is truly, there's so many people that are doing such more impactful things that actually are having a Very positive impact on our society, and again, I don't want to take away from what um, you know. There are sports figures and
0: athletes.
3: There's ways in which what they're doing is having a positive impact as well. But it's just funny to me how much um, some of these professions go really unappreciated,
1: and it's sad, really. Right? Well, I mean, I think if you if you heard on there, everybody listening, we're talking about my discussion with Carly Roner. Like just the funding, I know what the funding here as at Willamette is for her position. When he, when she was here, when Andrea was here, I'd be interested to see what the funding is like at your institution on a bigger campus. But because yep. this thing is going to be a much, if Carly's job is underfunded and/or that person doesn't make the impact needed, that's a bigger problem for a campus than me losing a basketball game.
0: You yeah, know what exactly, I mean? Like exactly. If but it doesn't.
1: Yeah. But it would
3: never. It's never going to be stressed. Right. At the highest level in order to, you know...
1: It's, Until it's, it's like a big shit show, right? Yeah,
3: and I thought it was funny when you brought that up, actually. It was, of course, your conversation where at the end of the day, as coaches, there's so much more... People care so much more about our results as far as what the scoreboard says yeah. than what someone in her position, her results. And in reality, what she's doing and the results that she is hoping to get are so much more impactful on a such a grander scale in life. But yet we're the ones that are stressing over a win on Saturday or a win on Friday or Thursday night or whatever it may be. And in the grand scope of things, when you think about life and just the world, who cares if MSU football beats so-and-so on any given Saturday, if you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I don't know. It's right. just hard sometimes. You think about it like, dang, we put so much into what we're doing, and it's awesome. It's I love it. Don't get me wrong. But
0: there's so much more out there that's yeah. so much more um,
3: impactful to a lot of people. It doesn't get the attention that our sports
1: world does. Do you think coaches like ourselves across sports? Um, what's the percentage? If I said I'm going to put the uh, I'm gonna put the over under starting line at 25 percent, could name the person in Carly's role on their campus? Would you take? I would take the under, right? Yeah, I would definitely take the under for sure. And the only time I think many of them, not everyone, like you mentioned, and I know like the person you work for has has been heavily invested in in doing some of this work. Obviously, our program here and I know of some other of our compatriots that do good work. But the only time this person would cross our desks in some cases, we would be furious because they're bringing this thing up trying to hurt my program. No, no, actually, she's literally advocating for victims of that issue. You know, exactly. so it's, uh, I feel like there is definitely a space for much more education about these people on campus, Do in the offices, maybe in bigger schools, there's a yep. full office uh, that should yep. be part of like day one for all coaches. I, I agree.
3: And again, it's just that culture though. It's a culture yeah. that uh, was mentioned multiple times over the course of the interview as far as just the societal culture of
0: how important is this role mm-hmm. within a college campus and I think we're starting to see it starting to shift
3: more towards this is extremely important and but it's going to take so much more yeah. effort on our end as coaches in order to make sure that not only are we stressing it but in turn because we're stressing the importance of this uh, the relationship within on our campus with these advocates and uh, people within this role but it's important for our players to see that mm-hmm. and understand that what their role is on campus yeah and, you know, like you mentioned before, I think that's one big thing that I know our head guy does a tremendous job of as far as just emphasizing with our players the importance that their role is on campus. Yeah, yeah. How people look up to them, um, good or bad, and uh, they have this, and she kept mentioning, the, the sphere of influence. Yes. And um, our student-athletes have a huge sphere of influence
0: on campus if they use it the right way and right. the correct way. right. And I think that's where us as
3: coaches, if we do stress the importance of the relationship with within our uh, athletic department and across campus with all these people that are in these roles, then in turn they'll start to understand the importance of it as well. But it's just—it's going to be—it's going to be a process, yeah. like everything else. When you talk about societal change, this is a process that's going to take a while until we really do increase that. That number that you mentioned before as far as the 25% of head coaches around that, that really truly know the person by name or on a personal mm-hmm. level for good reasons and not just because they're in their office all the
0: time for negative things.
3: Yeah.
1: It's going, to, it's going to take a little bit. You know, I was thinking too, all the social media, and you and I, we joked about this last episode about all the people behind the scenes that deserve a halftime walkout. You know, we talked about your semi truck driver <laughs> yep. um, and our, you know, our directors of operation and people that nobody will give credit to. I feel like this absolutely is another area where our social media abilities, what they reach that our social media has, you know, advocating for. People in the director of community education role, a prevention yeah. coordinator, um, yep. and I think some of those boundaries where the two offices, athletics versus this or athletics versus period, just remove the verses and change exactly. it to partner, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, what about this? Is a funny one and not by any means. I mean, I she is so much smarter in her language on this topic. Like when she says <laughs> phrases, I'm writing it down because I want to rec- I want to learn how to use it like she does. Like when she says. <laughs> compassion fatigue didn't that make you think like oh my god that explains a ton just the the lineage and maybe that's what we sound like to people when we're talking football and you're talking third down or i'm talking basketball but i just thought about i'm sure there's a little bit of uh what's the word um intimidation if you can't speak the language in this field but yep. once, like I, there's so much I She should, She's always been very free flowing conversationally. But I get a nugget of every single mm-hmm. sentence. Something I need to look up to up my yep. own game. what I,
3: I, I, one of the things that I stole from her, or I'm going to steal from her, is just when she talked about how when she goes and talks to other groups um, about what she's doing, and, and it's important for her to talk to that whoever that person is that asked her to do this and just kind of get a feel for okay what's this group all about
0: mm, what's important yeah.
3: to this group yeah and just so you go in there with a sense of all right i know what kind of the culture is around here and what's important to them so i can kind of make sure i shift my what i'm talking about to what interests them the most
0: yeah and not yeah. just
3: spout off a bunch of athletic cliches <laughs> you know using myself for example where none of that thing none of those phrases or cliches or or um, inspirational words really pertain to this group that you're talking to
1: yeah yeah right? you so just cookie cutter apply a, and you know exactly repeat.
3: exactly really trying to shape your um presentation to the group that you're presenting to which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense
1: yeah For sure It a lot of sense So Do you ever um, get that Where her and I talked about Imposter syndrome Where This might be say In a group of established longtime coaches Or for me In this setting Where yeah okay Kip's doing this work And get him some recognition But now I'm in a Conference full of professionals That have made this their life And I'm walking around (laughs) like Oh my god Don't say something stupid Yeah Why Um, do I belong Yes
0: Yes Yeah
3: Yes Yeah There's no question about it man There's I mean, shoot! I felt that way to a certain extent as I walked into the defensive staff room.
0: Right? Oh, right, you're right. Like, I you're okay, like, yeah. Okay,
3: do I belong <laughs> with this group of guys here? Let me uh, let me just look around. Um, but yeah, I think I think you always go through that to a certain extent when you when you step into a room that you're not necessarily is your is not necessarily your comfort zone. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to do, though, when it's all said and done. I think it's important for people to step out of the comfort zone, obviously, but more importantly, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you at any given topic. Yeah, right. in turn, you're going to get nuggets and little things of information that will help you get to where you want to get to in whatever area you're trying to uh, improve upon. But if you're just constantly surrounding yourself with people that you're smarter than, or know more about whatever topic you're talking about
1: you're not really ever going to improve in anything yeah, right for sure for sure hey what about i like that she talked a lot about creating the structure the infrastructure the system almost like process it wasn't yeah. just i believe in x because you know both of i would co-sign that belief but i think she's really good and i, I have first-hand knowledge of Here's the situation. What is the step-by-step plan to address it? Not just floating pink cloud in the sky. Everyone is just going to change their mind, <laughs>
0: right?
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You know what? What part of the process? How over the course of what? what's What was the terms to use? Like process or uh, systems um, analysts, Yeah, what yeah, yeah, where it's just like Yeah, that's
1: that's a great point. Well it's kinda that's like us, point. right? Installing something like if you need to get a blitz, it's not like you just said we're gonna blitz and it happens, right? Yeah. Exactly. You have a process no. Monday through Friday, I have a process yep. Monday through Thursday and yep. we've like we probably didn't even think about it at the time, but it's probably even harder and more important to figure out how am I gonna get change in forty percent of a campus student body on an important social topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to exactly. snap my fingers. I'm going to make a poster. Nope. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, just thinking about that is again because we're so in our world, and this is my process for this. Like you said, this is I can install a defense because this is the process that I know. Yeah. But just thinking about that type of because I and I think as you guys had continued your conversation and uh, you hit on just how do you go about making
0: change or yeah. just one individual
3: trying to make a difference because they're fed up, essentially, right? Yeah. And you you mentioned something about dressing up as Batman and going around and uh, trying to beat up people on campus that were, right, you know, harass harassment people, whatever, which was hilarious to me because in your mind, you're like, yeah, I wish that would
1: make it, that would probably be easier. <laughs> it, yes. Being Batman so would easier, be easier. Yeah,
3: Right? That would just be so much easier if I could just go around and just, in my cape, Crusader's Costume stop all the assaults or potential assaults going around
0: on campus, than actually trying to change people's minds Uh about
3: sexual assault and just changing
0: the culture on campus. Yeah, that is so much harder than literally dressing up in in some
3: kind of superhero suit and trying to stop it
1: that way. That's that's a great point. Like Batman, stop taking the easy way out, man.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) what a seminar, bat.
3: Use your resources more than violence right it. but but it is man and it it's such a process and I don't even know where that process starts or how you can start to um, put together a process in which you can start changing minds one person at a time and it's it is daunting It is really mm-hmm. daunting
0: what but, about um,
3: I think it's yeah I think it's something that has to be done and it's it, like we said earlier uh, we're such a big part of
0: it mm-hmm. as far as the athletics on any university's campus and it really
1: has to start with us when yep. it's all said and done because we do have a big sphere of influence. The, what about the part before we wrap it up and we can announce a, a cool new offshoot of our podcast involving Carly? Uh, what about the part that I thought was very applicable to us, but I think, once again, on the theme of our react, so much more daunting for her to face? Like when we go home after a bad practice or a, bad, or a loss, Obviously, our wives know what's happening. We're like, oh, this sucks. I carry this baggage home. And they always talk about work-life balance for coaches, right? But can you imagine this job where you hit the plethora of like a window and actual experience with people feeling the effects of sexual assault and domestic violence? Can you imagine that take-home bag? Oh, my my God. It really does kind of keep you trying.
3: I'm trying to keep things in perspective now, just thinking about that, right? Yeah. Just, for example, last week we went big, 56-21, whatever the final score was. But all I can think about the whole while, drive home with my wife, and I'm in this terrible mood even though we won, is we gave up this long run towards in the third quarter whatever it was. That's the only thing I'm just holding on to that for yeah, yeah, yeah. hours. Like, what? Why couldn't? What are we? And just mad. Yeah. And my wife is looking at me like, really, dude? guys just one. Like, What's your deal? Right. And thinking about it now, after listening to that, it's like, geez Louise, mm-hmm. relax, bud. Yep. Yes, it's important because it's important to what we do. I mean, we're, we're, we spend so much time and hours, and so you want the end result to be what you want. But in the grand scope of things,
0: you got to keep things in perspective with what's really, truly important in this thing
1: yeah. called life. And what did, did you – I can't recall exactly what she said her process is um you know to kind of disconnect and, and give yourself a break but i think that's probably an understudied or under presented clinic for coaches and other professions like all of us like oh i got to go home and just i just need to be have a break what does yeah. it look like how do you get yeah. it you know cause yeah. it is important yeah. for like for us to be great for our players and for her to be the advocate and resource she needs to be for victims who obviously will be at the lowest end of the emotional spectrum you can imagine, or like the yep. the highest rage level, you got to yep. be pretty balanced and, and even keeled, right? No question. So there's I once again, I, I, as we'll announce later, we'll be able to talk to her more. Boy, I could use some of these resources, and I'm sure somebody, you know, and a doctor could use these. Uh, yeah. You know, what if you're an ER tech? Good luck oh. taking that home. You know exactly.
3: Oh my gosh! I mean, there's got to be that's got to be part of the training through all of it, right? Like as you're progressing through this profession, I would hope there's some things that help you, or people on the way that help you, yes,
0: mentors or whatever it is that give you kind of these little nuggets of uh, information to help get you through certain days. Because
3: I'm sure it is not easy, right? Bringing home that those just conversations in general
1: and what you're seeing. Every, I mean, wow. I mean, I know I'm pissed off when I can't get. Uh, thing from admissions for something, you know. I feel like this will help recruiting, and I'm upset. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to get an initiative or a law passed that would help victims and it's getting <laughs> stonewalled?
0: Oh, oh my just god! The frustration level that you've got to just be going through
3: all
1: the time. Because I get it watching Rachel Maddow. I'm not oh, even living it.
3: That. Just scrolling through Twitter. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the fury and rage that you go through over the course of a Twitter feed re- yeah. is unbelievable but actually dealing with stuff like that on a regular basis where your life is literally a Twitter feed um, of drama and
0: and just
1: pain and, and, I mean, it's like, golly, I just... Yeah, it's uh, very impressed with the work Carly Rohner and and people in her industry do. Uh, Excited to announce that monthly now, Carly and Jeff Matsushita, who was on a previous episode, will be joining uh, myself and hopefully Kane as often as we can get him back on uh, in discussions in in a podcast called Calling Men In. Uh, obviously focused on the work being done to combat some of the notions of masculinity that we try to live up to that lead to these sexual assaults and domestic violence. Uh, One of my first takes, Kane, is there's a bunch of Twitter stuff today. Uh, There's a bunch of people talking about, masculinity's not toxic. That's the, we're not saying it is. We're saying some of the things we do to try to prove it is the problem, but they're gonna join us. Uh, We're gonna do the take the first one Sunday night. Uh, and they obviously bring a lot of expertise. So I'm going to feel that imposter syndrome at all times, uh, with these two, (laughs) but I'm going to, we're going to be talking the Antonio Brown saga with the Patriots. We're going to be talking some of the things that we got to have a current events issue. And I hope to have on each segment, they don't know this yet, but I'm going to put them both on the spot and say, who should people be following? What should they be doing this month? you know what's important and try to like you mentioned Kane. how can we use this platform not just to you know show off how amazing those two are at their job but you know really tag team in some people uh hopefully some men into what can I do in my sphere you know I, I think about an experience I had where somebody said yeah I don't like getting up in the morning like some females and I was like what where does huh I don't like getting up in the morning yeah. Um, but I let that comment slide, and I was so pissed Ex- at myself. Exactly. Right? That's, it's so funny,
3: man. That that's I think that was in the interview as well too, where um, you guys talked about just having that um, courage. To, yeah, that. Yes, she said that exactly. In the middle of it, and just go, you know what? This this isn't right. Yeah. This is not. Let's, let's we can't use that word. We can't use. We don't need to tell that joke anymore. Uh, there's so many things that we can do in just our day to day lives. Uh, to help um, change the culture and, and hopefully get ourselves closer and closer to the world we all want to live in.
1: Right, right. and I think that's, um, you know, I couldn't have restated that better, but I'm excited for that opportunity monthly. Um, and like you and I have talked about, the podcast better when it's not just us. We've been oh, lucky to so have course. great guests. We got co-hosts across the country. Our Listen Up, David Gunn, Useless for Information, Coach Martino. Now getting Carly and Jeff on board with calling men in. Crack the egg. We know we both talked about getting Egert rolling again back on here with some of his hot takes yeah. from the NFL season. So I think that's what's fun, man. It's really just like a, a audio party for us to get yeah. to talk to each other and other people, yeah. uh, including Ava, my niece, who has made great appearance today. In the background, yes, Abe. Yes, good uh, good to hear from having you. Having a great time slamming
3: doors and chasing stuff around, but I'd better get back to it before my wife uh, loses her stuff.
1: Yep, and, yep, um, exactly. Across so, the streams, uh, Reacts, Kip and Kane back at it content reminder the opinions expressed on the cross the streams podcast are those of the host and the guests alone and do not reflect the opinions of the institutions universities or businesses that employ the hosts or the guests
0: never tired I ain't gonna stop till I get mine Till then I'm keeping my shine Keeping my shine I'm just keeping my shine Shine